Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. Hi, I'm Doug Moister. I am one of the co-hosts along with Bob Hyatt. I'm hanging out by myself today. Uh, I had a great opportunity to interview um, Bridget G, who is a single woman who has been invested in ministry for a long time. And although I have never been in the shoes of being single or a woman, uh, I have found so many helpful tips and ideas and thoughts for pastors, because if we are pastoring healthy communities, we will see young and old and married and single and divorced and widowed and people in all different age groups. But I feel like one of the most forgotten or misunderstood people in our pews, especially for married folks or folks who are single. And so for me, this interview was super helpful from a pastor standpoint, just of having a deeper understanding and even having more permission to listen and to ask questions and just to be present with people uh, and also to see singleness as a calling and as an opportunity, not just the second choice of life. Um, So if you're single, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to shoot me an email and I'd love to bring you on the show just to talk more about what your experience has been like being a single pastor or a pastor who is single and entering into ministry, because I feel like you have really important things to say to the pastors who are listening uh, here today. We hope you enjoy this interview. Bridget, thank you so much for joining us today on the Monday Morning Pastor. Um, We'd love to just start with, tell us a little bit of your story, a little bit about who you are. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Well, I have been single most of my adult life, and a big part of that also has been being a single woman in ministry, because I've worked for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship since 2012 when I graduated college. I didn't expect to be single this long. I mean, I'm only 33, so I know that that's not young, like it's I'm not old, but it has felt interesting in this decade and some change. Kind of figuring out, like, is it okay that I'm just still single this long? So many of my friends got married right out of college, but also the age of first marriage has risen by like years since I've been an adult. And so I navigate. Uh, church and Christian culture with also just what's happening in society and culture. And yeah, there's a lot of identity issues that go into that. And then I work with college students who a lot of my students have been single and they grapple with those issues of singleness, sexuality. Um, Yeah. Like how do they even be good friends to each other? And so it has felt really necessary for me to be someone who keeps the conversation going around that, whether it's in ministry or I have my own podcast called Solidarity. And it's been really fun to explore this topic. And so, yeah, I wrote this book uh, two years ago. It came out just a little over a month ago, and it's really exciting. Yeah, the, the book is called Single Just Because, A Pilgrimage into Holy Aloneness. Tell us uh, how you came to write this and kind of what, what you're hoping the book will convey to its readers. What are, you, what are you trying to give to single people? Well, I came to write it because I have a degree in writing, so I was always planning to write a book. I never thought it would be a book about singleness, mm. but... Like I said, 
I felt like this conversation needed to keep happening. It wasn't happening enough. And there is never an end to the amount of marriage books out there for us Christians. But there's kind of a limited amount until recently. There's become more content around Christian singleness, both in like all camps of sexuality, like beliefs. And um, that's been really neat for me. But even as of just a couple years ago, a lot of people weren't talking about singleness. Um, except for the one random sermon you would have maybe once a year at church where we're actually encouraging single people to uh, abstain from sex. We're encouraging single people to give all of their time and energy to service because that's what you can do because you, you don't have kids or a spouse, you know, and it's always the same sermon. There's not a lot of different content Mm. for single people. And yet half of the church population is single. And so I had felt like there's just a major deficit in the content out there. I, I say this in my book, I think a lot of the content is pretty unimaginative for single people. And then just the narrative that I've sat in and heard and wanted to change for single Christians is that you can actually live a really robust full life if you never get married. And I'm someone who really has always wanted to be married. I'm really romantic. Um, I do happen to be straight. So like I fit all the boxes that the evangelical church wants me to, you know, I'm a virgin at 33, which feels like I'm a unicorn out here. Um, And so I thought I'm just going to talk about this stuff because I'm not purposely behaving the way the church wants me to. I'm single just because I have deep convictions about why I live the way I do. Mm. It's not just because obedience to like what the church has told me. So that's kind of the, you know, journey I went down. And I think that my particular like edge, the the difference about why I needed to tell my story is because the way that I addressed this issue with God, he handed a lot of contemplative practice to me. Mm. Um, I got to go on the Community Santiago in 2019, um, which, you know, it's like just a walking and hiking pilgrimage in northern Spain. And there were all these things that I felt God was addressing using that contemplative practice of what it means to be human, what it means to be fully alive, interacting with other people, that I don't have to use every single ounce of my time and energy to produce, like I think our culture wants us to do, especially in like Western culture. And yeah, there was just so much so much liberation and freedom that I think God has handed me as I've asked him the hard questions of like, why am I still single and yet still desiring of marriage. So basically I had to get over myself because I think I was like overthinking what a singleness book should be. Um, It's not a comprehensive theology of singleness, my book. And um, it's not a self-help guide really, even though that's actually one of the categories on Amazon, (laughs) but it's, it's really meant to just be like, here's my story, descriptive, not prescriptive. And the hope is that it really encourages people that the best thing is to have intimacy with Jesus Mm -hmm. and that you already have access to all the best things in life. Um, Mm -hmm. 
yeah, that you don't have to be married, but also like it's okay to grapple with the hard things about singleness Mm -hmm. with God. He can handle it. And yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's like a little way to sum up my book. I also always say that my book kind of deals with the question and this is why married people can read it and actually get a lot from it is um, who will you be when you don't get the thing you want most? And, you know, so fill in the blank of what that is. For me, it's been marriage for so long and it's only been a couple of years that probably isn't even. It's still one of the things I want the most, but the more important thing is who will I be when I'm not getting it? (laughs) That is an awesome theme to deal with. I, I love that idea of of not just looking at the single life, but really all of life through that lens of mm-hmm. desire and contentment and how do we how do we address God when he's not giving us what we're asking for or what we yeah. really desire. Uh, you mentioned that sermon that you would hear once a year. Now, I. I was single until a week before, no, uh, two weeks before I turned 33. So, uh, I, I feel some, uh, some connection with you on that part of your story. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I sat through a lot of those sermons and I also then preached a lot of those sermons. And so I'm wondering for you, what's the sermon that you think single people would actually want to hear? Uh, and probably more than once a year. But yeah, what what could pastors be saying that would actually be helpful? Yeah, I think that there needs to be a deeper and broader discipleship mm. of single people that paints a picture of what it means for them to have a holistic, robust role in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. that they could have full community. They can have really good relationships in church that they are also just as in need of love and care as everyone else. You know, um, I think chosen family is something that needs Mm. to be talked about more. Mm -hmm. I think that pastors possibly just need to speak to married people to say, Hey, who are your single friends here? Mm -hmm. Have you invited them to lunch after church? Mm. (laughs) And, um, invited them to be a part of your your life because they can be i think being single throughout this whole decade for me since i left college has been beautiful because i've adapted with my friends as they've become spouses and parents i understand that i have to kind of like lean in and insert myself into their lives because they don't have a paradigm for what does it mean for them to create space while they're figuring out how to be spouses and parents. I wish they did, but I have a a larger capacity to offer myself and be like, well, now I'm like Aunt Bridget, you know, and that's fine with me. (laughs) But I do think that maybe what if pastors are always talking to us through the stages of our lives, like that community even though it can change is still a huge part. Like if we, if we as the church were better at community than we are and like we're more unified and had the like fellowship that we always wish that we had, or maybe taste in certain seasons, like uh, from acts two, right? Like everyone wants that. And 
Uh, so I talk about that a little bit in the book too. But I would just love to to hear from pastors, maybe even as I'm talking to you too, as men, like, I don't feel like women are given a very robust vision of what it means to be a leader or to live into their giftings in the, in the, let me just say this in the complementarian Calvinist evangelical American (laughs) experience, I have not experienced enough of the other things. Now, InterVarsity isn't all of those things, and I've been able to thrive as a leader in my parachurch organization, and I've been like highly skilled and trained by InterVarsity, but when I go to pivot to church and offer all these awesome skills I've been given and then who I know God has made me to be, it's met with a lot of skepticism and hesitation and not partnership, and it's wild to me. And so um, I think that's like, it's not just a sermon that I need to hear. I'm a little bit bored of sermons, to be honest, but um, just in this season, that's a personal comment. But it's like the partnership, you know, like I could run an evangelism training or lead Bible study or I could preach. It's not a call, I feel, but, you know, I could do any of those things as a single Mm. woman. Um, And so the sad part for me has been that I think that if I was a man in those contexts, that I, they would be asking me to be an elder and a pastor. And um, and that's just hard for me hmm. because I, I'm really egalitarian. And also I've done a lot already in ministry that I think I could serve the church. But I don't know if we have a good understanding in that context about what it means to partner with women well who are not married. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, both I think both Doug and I we come from a place of really valuing women in leadership and in the church and I remember uh the church plant that I pastored in Portland uh the first woman we asked to be an elder in that context as we were just starting out was single and she said no. And she came back years later, a couple of years later and, and finally said yes, after we bugged her some more. But I think she <laughs> admitted that part of it was her uh, kind of default setting that had been kind of baked into her about mm-hmm. uh, whether she could do this as a single person, e- e- even as a single woman. And so, yeah, I, I hear that. And I, I've noticed that over the years yeah. that as, as we have pursued women to come into leadership, many of them have reported back to us that one of the reasons why they're hesitant is because they, even though they're now in an egalitarian church, they grew up in a different kind of setting and it kind of left them with some, yeah. some baggage, some hesitation. Yeah. And it's if you're the first woman to do it, then that's like a brave thing and maybe also scary for other reasons. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's really one of those. I don't know, Bob, you really summed up a lot of I think just a lot of the thoughts that I've had coming into this conversation of there. There seems to be this. Yeah. I mean, I I just think about that sermon that that you mentioned and part of me feels like. 
many pastors have never actually put themselves in that space or they even, even in any kind of leadership role, they've never been there, right? They went to Bible college, got married, went to seminary, yeah. are now pastoring a church. And so I'd love to just peel back that curtain. Like what, how does a single person hear that message? Like what does that message actually communicate to someone who's single sitting in their congregation? Yeah, I think there's a lot of dissonance when you're sitting there, especially because I, I think I can be, there's some things I didn't write in my book because I don't want to, you know, communicate cynicism and anger, resentment or any of that. But I always joke like, you know, in my head or to f other single friends, like, what does he know? He's been married since he's been 22 or like even younger. Right. And, um, and even like, there's just so many things that I th I think specifically because of the context of church I've been in, in my adult life, it's hard because I do think that you're right. The pastors haven't even known how to like imagine or put themselves in the shoes of their congregants who are single. So sometimes you can like in that dissonance, you can like check out or, you know, um, yeah, zone out kind of, I think for me, I get really like, I'm like, I'm listening, I'm waiting <laughs> for like, a, a refreshing something different. Um, but maybe I'm just going to hear the same thing as before. And this isn't to say that my pastors haven't also made really amazing encouragements about single people. I just don't know that they are like equipped at this point or like maybe at this cultural moment to think about what to speak to single people. You know, my, my brother's a pastor and he and I talk about this. And he's like, well, Bridget, but most people in churches, so most pastors are married and then most people in churches are married. So like we are do, we are speaking to the majority of our congregation. And I'm like, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> I can argue with my brother, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm like, I, I want you to do a sermon for the 10 single people that are still in your church because it will still apply. And that's a little bit why my book's called single just because. Mm -hmm is because I think that the things that single people deal with are just human things. Like, yes. you know, yeah. like you guys were saying, like it's like desire and contentment and that applies to everyone. Absolutely. So, but just to give the language around singleness and to say, I see you sitting here Yeah. and I'm not asking you to double down your service because all you have extra time and energy. A single person doesn't necessarily, you know, like I mentioned single moms in my book or like some single people, it's a one income household. Right. Yeah. And so they might be working their butts off to just survive. They don't have that extra, you know, support. And so then they're hearing from their pastors, come on, single people, please serve more and serve in the areas that none of us want to, because yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. your job as a single person. It feels really disheartening. Yeah, and I think that um, just to uh, just to be real, I I think that one thing I've noticed, as I said, I got married later in in relatively later, uh, uh, f by some measures, and I know yeah. that uh, while I may have had more disposable time 
as a single person, I had less, I had less emotional wherewithal in the sense that there was a lot, I was, you know, I, I was kind of struggling. I, I didn't, I, I mm. needed to serve others, but at the same time I was trying to figure out my own stuff, you know? And so yeah. I, I think that looking at singles as like these people with all this bandwidth in their life who can serve is it, it it's, it's too simplistic. It, it, it boils yeah, them true. down to interchangeable ministry units. And that's, that's not what we want to do. You know, it's, <laughs> no. it's like, no, they're real yeah. people with just as much uh, going on in their lives. And sometimes with a lot more going on in their lives uh, than married people. And so don't think yeah. that just because they don't have um, a spouse or, or uh, kids um, that they can, they can volunteer more. That's not the way it works. Um, Doug and I both have a friend and I won't mention his name, but uh, he makes me extremely jealous because he's one of those guys. He kind of, he's an apostle Paul type figure. He's single mm. and he is, he feels called to that. And so he's committed to it for life. Yeah. But I will check, I will look at his Facebook and he'll be like, yeah, I'm in Guam doing this training for these people. Next week I'm going to Singapore. Uh, I'm taking a week off. I'm in Hawaii. Oh, I need to fly back to England to work on my doctorate. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the life you are living right now. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's, he is ringing the dregs out of every last bit of singleness. Like this guy is yeah. he's making it work. So I wonder for you, like what, what are the gifts that you have found inherent in singleness? What, what, what's the upside? Yeah, I live a really a, a similar life to that. At this point, my job sends me all over the place to lead pilgrimages um, for students and partners. So I'm like in Italy and Ireland and Spain and, you know, Eng I, you know all the time. So um, the freedoms, yes, the liberties, that's so great. Like, honestly, it really is. Um, but it's also exhausting a little bit too. Sure, <laughs> so sure. That's, you know, there's the fun and then the energy expenditure. But what I would say is the most beautiful thing is that, there's a lot of space if if you're willing to take it to um develop your identity mm. you know i have so many friends who are in marriages and they are parents and they a, a little bit of their sense of self uh is is lost right and maybe this happens more for mm -hmm. a really involved parent Again, I don't want to like too much say it's like it's just moms, <laughs> but it's it's a lot of times it can be moms because they're pretty involved with being a mom. And um, I think that they lose a sense of, you know, what do I even like to do? What brings me alive? Because sometimes it is just survival mode for my friends who are parents and it's just making sure the kids get where they need to go and they get fed. And you make money so that you can pay for the things. And like, to me, I'm like, wow, you know, I see that. I totally see it. And honestly, applaud all my friends. But I've had those honest conversations with them where they they can be really lonely in that context. And they feel like, 
who even am I? And for me, I go through seasons of loneliness, but there's just endless opportunities to, you know, reconnect, start a new hobby, meet new people. Um, and then there's, yeah, endless opportunities to be looking inward and developing yeah. that, that who am I in God? Who is, who's God sending me out to be? There's space to do that. And I think it is harder to do that when you're not single. Yeah. First of all, thanks for that. That's really helpful because I think sometimes people can see certain things on the other side. You know, the grass is always greener. Man, if I was only this, look at all the great things. When in reality, there is, there's such give and take in both worlds and both camps. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think few single people uh, realize how often married people look at their lives and are a little bit jealous. Just, just, I'm just going to put that there and leave it. That's all. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. But I'm thinking about, you know, there's this, there's this pastor who's listening and and he's thinking to himself, man, I I hear what you're saying and I'm seeing single people leave, uh, or just seem like they're disconnected or they're saying it without saying that there just seems to be this, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, we're not caring well for where they are in life. And so they might be thinking to themselves, I I need to make more space and open up our imagination on what the fulfilled life with God looks like for single people. What are some things that churches and pastors can begin to do, like just super practical that would create and open up our imagination in terms of what the fulfilled life with God looks like for for single people in their congregations? Yeah, I think that having single people serve in in bigger ways than just you know, like my church that I was going to for most of my adult life we always did dinner together so it was like the options that I was given was like help with help in the kitchen help with kids ministry which we did need people to do kids ministry but I refused that's my confession um I you know so it's like Okay, but what about or like help set up, tear down? And I did, you know, did a little bit of those things, but it what it would it what it would have meant to me to have certain single people lead trainings or outreaches, give sermons on things that are also relevant to their experience, right? Mm. Um, it's powerful in some ways to hear a male pastor who's older than me encourage women you know but and encourage single women but it's like even more i think my ears perk up more when it's like someone who gets it (laughs) and they've lived this experience and they're telling their own story of a beautiful full robust life um i i feel like even my imagination could probably expand of what it looks like in church to because i haven't experienced it enough but what does it look like to invite single people what if they hosted more Mm -hmm. bible studies in the church like what if you as a married couple went to a a single person's bible study you know who like they led it let yourself be led by single people um we infantilize single people far Mm -hmm. too long you know um there's of course important maturity that is happening at in the 20s but there's just been plenty of pastors who started pastoring in their twenties when they're still figuring things out, you Mm -hmm. know? And so 
I think it's just about taking risks on single people and not thinking that them being married is essential to their leadership skills. Or that it's the it's the good and proper and perfect goal for everyone that that's we're we're holding that up yeah. and to say you know you you should be married. No, I mean yeah. that that's my biggest thing is that the the way that we talk about marriage and singleness pretty much ignores the the New Testament biblical witness on singleness. You know, and yeah, end of. End of Jesus, yeah, Jesus the Savior, himself. who was also a single dude. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes, yeah. If Jesus could not be mm-hmm. an elder in your church because he was not married, you might want to rethink your requirements mm. for for eldership. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. Just as you're talking about that, I remember when I was in my late twenties and I was an associate pastor of a church and I was single and the way that they would uh, talk about all the time, the way that they would talk about. Um, like potluck dinners was uh, if you're A through M, bring a main dish. If you're N through Z, bring a dessert. Uh, singles bring bread. And I would just sit there and go, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> you guys realize I have to cook for myself. Like I, I know how to make food. <laughs> I mean, I, pre- I'm sure I, I'll, I'll get some bread. That's easy. <laughs> Thanks. But you know. they're letting you off the hook. <laughs> yeah. But by the same token, you're right. There was this inf- infantilization. There was this assumption of ineptness in life. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some other things in terms of church life that we ought to be thinking about because it is so nuclear family and couples centered. So I, I'm just wondering for you, what do you wish yeah. that pastors and ministry leaders would think more about in terms of the single people in their congregations? Like how do we unknowingly, um, yeah, infantilize or uh, uh, make, push them to the margins? Like how can we uh, beyond just preaching um, more informed sermons and inviting into yeah. leadership, uh, yeah, what, how, what else should we be thinking about? If you have some thoughts, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's really simple thought. And it, I mean, reading my book, you can tell I don't love to give very deep, big answers because mm. I think that's up to each of us to seek out. Mm. But there is a call and an invitation to a much deeper and holistic discipleship, which is why I think God pulled me into this journey mm. of the contemplative, you know, where there it's, it's a deeper prayer life, learning to lean into silence and solitude and, you know, breath prayer embodiment, right? So like inviting your spiritual experience to be also mm. a, a bodily experience when Often it's intellectual, right? Like mm. in in maybe our American evangelical experience, it's very intellectual. And 
which is why like I make the joke I'm bored of sermons right now is because that is an intellectual experience for mm-hmm. the most part. You just sit and listen. Yeah. Um, it's like a Socratic seminar. Maybe <laughs> you like this is I don't know. You know, it, it's it's different. But the embodiment, the contemplative stuff is saying like your faith gets to be lived out with all of who you are. Mm. And so if there were more of that in the churches that I think a lot of single people go to, then they would start to also have a more like active lived out faith, not just a believed and intellectual faith. Right. And so like, yeah, I just think that that would bleed into the ways that people would want to have community or practice worship, practice, um, you know, engaging with God. Yeah, I think that's really and that's like not even specifically about singleness, is it? It's it's just about all of us getting to have a more whole and, you know, holy <laughs> um, experience of what it means to be in church and be a follower of Jesus. But you, I think you've hit on something that uh, I mean, that's a light bulb moment for me. Um, I, I have uh, I've been single. I've been married. I was a pastor during b- both of those periods of my life. And I know one thing that pastors often kind of um, lament is the idea that we, we wish people um, could embrace some of these practices more fully. But we know that there's different practices for different stages of life. And when you have small kids, when you're, when you're dealing with uh, teenagers, it, it's difficult. And so we kind of bake in those difficulties into what we expect of people or what we challenge and invite them into. And it just, it occurs mm-hmm. to me as you're talking that probably one of the things very few of us do is yeah, single, we, we think, okay, single people might have more time to, um, to volunteer, but we never think about single people might be the, the people that we can really explore some deeper practices contemplative practices, prayer, that kind of thing with, because actually they've got, uh, they've got the capacity to do that in a way that the married folks and the, and the parents don't have. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that before. And I, I think that that's really the gift of, of embracing all people in all stages Mm -hmm. of your life at your church Mm -hmm. of just seeing the giftedness of it all. Right. I mean, I think I think to when when I think about the body of Christ and even the way that Paul writes about the body, it's he basically says, "Look, you've got everything you need already there, present within this community of believers, and so lean into it." Mm-hmm. And I think it really helps us to to recognize that church is a lot more like a potluck than it is like a big fancy meal. You know that that we show up and and we're served. Everyone's got to bring who they are, their giftedness, their they're, you know, and, and all of that stuff. But I think like, even from the perspective, and it was something that you said in your book, you talked about how, um, it was right towards the beginning, but about how, you know, like I, I need, I, like, it's been a while since I've been like physically touched, like I need a hug or like I need physical interaction. And yeah. I think even from that perspective, it's like, whether, whether it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a guy who's been widowed or, or, or a young woman who is not, who's not married or who has chosen single, you know, the single life. It's like that physical presence with another human being is it, it it's not like just because you said you're, you're going to, you know, I'm choosing singleness that you don't need that. It's actually like, you really need that. And I think that you talked about the chosen family earlier. 
And I mm-hmm. feel like that's such an important, um, such an important thing for churches and pastors to to begin mm-hmm. to think through. And it's like, and and even to realize, like, man, there's something about just hugging somebody or shaking a hand or sitting down to have a meal with someone or having more people at your table than normal or friends giving or whatever that is that just opens yep. up. It 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 just opens up the community the community in a whole different way. Um, yep. and so. We're starting to run short on time. I've got two questions. The first one okay. is this. You talked about romance being for everyone, mm-hmm. and I'd love for you to elaborate on that a bit. Yeah. Well, that's that's just the way, what I call practicing presence. I just call mm-hmm. it romance. I think that it's true that when you're giving romantic energy to another person, you actually are just being fully present with them, that you're noticing the beauty of who they are, mm-hmm. that you're delighting in it, right? Like. It's just, that's just presence toward one person. Whereas I think that God hands us romance, um, like as a tool for us to delight in the goodness and the inherent goodness of like creation, you know? And so, because as much as there's brokenness and things to work on, there's also all this beauty in every single day and it's hard to find. And if we don't practice presence or what I believe is, is romance and, um, you know, bringing alive all the senses that you have available to you, then, you know, like we're going to go around really sad. (laughs) And I think that, I think it's worship, you know, honestly. So that's, that's what I think romance is. Mm. Um, I'm not really talking about like a, a relationship specifically when I say that. That's good. Yeah. And then the last question, obviously we're going to ask you to leave us with the, with the benediction, but before that, where can people find you? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I am just on Instagram at the Bridget G and my last name is G E E like G whiz. Um, so you'll be able to find me if you look up single, just because by Bridget G, then you'll see how to spell my name. There's so many ways to spell Bridget. And I, my podcast, so if you've never listened to it, there's lots of episodes to catch up on. It's called Solidarity, the Singleness Podcast. And that's spelled like the word solidarity, but instead of the first I, it's an A, like sola. So <laughs> that is, that's kind of where I'm at. I definitely say go read my book if you like a fun, easy read <laughs> and want to be encouraged about life and with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Can you leave us with a benediction, Bridget? Yeah, of course. I think what was coming to mind in this conversation, if I'm thinking that pastors are the ones listening to this Monday morning pastor podcast, is that you have received from years and centuries of single people who gave their whole lives to Jesus, that many of the saints and the writers of the content that we absorb in seminaries and at churches are from single people. And so don't forget that, but also let it be encouraging to you to also receive from single people in this time who are the modern saints who are single. And maybe you will get to be a part of the discipleship of those people who will leave their mark and continue to disciple future generations of followers of Jesus. Let it be. Amen. Amen. Amen.